Amen. This is a Bible-based church. We don't create fiction or simply to appease the hearts and the lives of humanity and flesh. But we believe that the Word of God is what saves you. And not only does it save you, but it will keep you. Man, do we ever need that now, right? As we're heading into some bumpy roads. And uh, Brother Mallory and I were talking about it last night that we're going to see some things come to pass. And there's going to be a lot of trouble that's going to occur in our world. That is on the human side. But on the spiritual side, the greatest opportunities and doors that are going to be open. And for the church, this will be our finest hour. Amen. So while the world is frustrated and trying to figure it out, the church ought to be dancing and rejoicing in the Lord as to the opportunities that He has given us in this end time. Amen. You may be seated. It's so good to see all of you here today. Um, Brother Flores already mentioned it, but it would be a privilege for all of our first-time guests. Uh, it would be a privilege to meet you, and uh, we encourage you again to go to our information center, and there you can get that coupon, and at Uplift Coffee you can pick up your drink and hang out a while, and we're going to find you. Amen, so that I get the opportunity to meet you. Everybody say image. Everybody say image. Image is simply the reflection of an object that is cast upon a backdrop. Image is the form or the outline of the real thing, but is not the real thing. Image is only a silhouette. It possibly can be just a profile or it's the contour of something, but, or it's a shape of something, but not the tangible of that something. I remember I was flying on an airplane going to St. Louis, and I opened a magazine. I read in this magazine uh, an article that was intriguing to me, and, and the article was talking about an actor by the name of Sean Penn who played in a movie called All the King's Men. And he plays the role of Governor Willie Starks, which is a Huey Long-type southern ruler. There's a particular scene in which he delivers a fire in Brinsome Point. His fist is raised with emotion and his face is flush with passion. As he is ranting and raving in his speech, the camera, this is what puzzled me, the camera pans to the backdrop. The shadow and the image of the man is greater than the man himself. 
So the article said, maybe, maybe it's only the image that matters. I was disturbed by this because this is advocating that we don't have to deal with reality. Fake it till you make it mentality. That's what you show people when you're just not being honest with yourself. People are afraid to show who they really are because of the judgment of others. Yet, you're living a lie when you only fake it. Living for an image, if you're not careful, you'll become a narcissist. In Galatians 6.3, it simply says, For if a man thinketh himself to be something when he is nothing, he deceiveth himself. This is unfortunate that people will determine what life is based on simple image. Driving particular type of cars and living in houses they cannot afford. And uh, this has become the drive of our generation. And they even become the politics of people's beliefs. Many are looking at the image and never seem to find the truth. So it's this self-image. It elevates self to a people living in a world. When they live for self, they're living a false narrative. It's interesting to me, you can't believe anything you hear anymore. Some people listen to CNN some people listen to Fox News, and I've come to the point, but I'm not sure that you can listen to any of it and get the right uh, word and the truth of the matter. And so many people are serving image, and they're not serving reality. And there's great dangers in that. And I, I have to preach this to this church so you understand the dangers that are involved by living simply on an image and not living the truth. Living in the shadow, but not living for the reality of what is casting the shadow. It's found in Revelations, the 13th chapter and the 11th verse. And it says, And behold, another beast coming up out of the earth, and he had two horns like a lamb. This beast had the appearance of one thing, but he spake as a dragon. And he's talking about people who are going to be fooled by the image of the lamb that they don't hear the voice of the dragon. Living for things that the world will present to them and even the beast will present to them but will never hear the voice of God because they're stuck on an image but they don't hear the word. And it doesn't matter how much you preach to them. They only attach themselves image. And then the 12th verse says this, and he exerciseth all power, this beast does, of the first beast before him, and causeth the earth and them which dwell therein to worship the first beast whose deadly wound was healed. They worship it. They worship the image. My question is, why are people worshiping the beast? Simply because they see the image and are not hearing the voice. So all they see is the lamb. 
but not the devil. Let me just say to you, Satan is the greatest illusionist. He has churches that look like churches. He has saints that look like saints. He has Christians that look like Christians. And if you're not careful, you will never understand how to try the spirits and see whether they're not of him or of the world. He says they are worshiping an image. And 13 verse says, And he doeth great wonders, so that he maketh fire come down from heaven on the earth in the sight of men. 14th verse. And deceiveth them. <laughs> and deceiveth them that dwell on the earth by the means of those miracles which he had power to do in the sight of the beast, saying to them, that dwell in the earth, that they should make, that they should make an image to the beast. Hmm. I know this is a little heavy today, but I want you to hear me out. That they should make an image. That they should make an image. In other words, not a reality. That they should make an image of a perceived perception, but not a true reality. A perceived perception of what is real and what is not real. So that he's muddling the view of what is the truth. And tell you today that we are in great danger. Because so many people are worshiping an image, but not worshiping God. I will pause to tell you that I have never saved one person. I have never healed anyone that was sick. I have never been able, I have never been able to take care of a problem of an individual. But there is one here that can. Let's talk about the reality. Because if you're not careful, you'll look to your pastor and you won't look to Christ. You'll look to the church, but you won't see that the Lord is well and able. You'll look to the church for answers when, and when only God can give you the answer. Am I talking to anybody here today? And if we're not careful, we'll take the view of what the world has and we'll follow after these shadows and images that have nothing to do with anything other than the devil himself. They should make an image to the beast. He's simply saying you should make the devil something he's not. Create this image of what you think he is. I'll tell you, the devil has no power. It's Jesus Christ that has all power in heaven and in earth. What we need to do is realize the devil makes himself out to be something he is not. He doesn't have power to overtake you. He doesn't have power to destroy you. He doesn't have power to kill you. But Jesus Christ has all power in heaven and in earth. He raises up kingdoms and he breaks down kingdoms. He's the one that can save and he's also the one that can judge. I'm talking about a God that is in this house right now. And if you're not careful, you'll serve an image. You'll serve the church, you'll serve the ministry, you'll serve the pastor. But I'm here to tell you, somewhere we got to start serving the Lord. So when we lift our hands, it's not just because of the music. We lift our hands, it's not just because we feel it in the beat of the drums. But we are lifting our voice unto a God that is in this house, that has the power to save me and to redeem me through the blood of the Lamb.
Hallelujah. Amen. Hebrews, the 10th chapter and the first verse, and I'm going to kind of go in a little different direction here today and show you not only in the world but in the church we've got to understand the value of seeking the truth rather than following after image. In Hebrews, the 10th chapter, starting with the first verse, it says, For the law having a shadow of good things to come, and not the very image of the things can never with those sacrifices which they offered year by year continually make the comers thereunto perfect. I'm going to pause for a moment and tell you he talks about an image of things to come but has not been found in the Old Testament. He's talking about an image, a silhouette of an Old Testament that if you follow that long enough, you're probably going to find the real thing. And he's telling them you cannot just live by the shadows and the images of the Old Testament. And then the second verse he says, For then would they not have ceased to be offered. They would continually be done today. If those things could have saved you, you could have killed a lamb and put it on the altar. And the priest could have atoned your sins and you could have went on. But he says, no, 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 no. You can't live by those images. He says, for then would they not have ceased to be offered because that the worshipers once purged should have had no more conscience of sins. But in those sacrifices there is remembrance, again, made of sins every year. He said, when you do the things of the Old Testament, it will only appease you for a while. But he says... But in those sacrifices, there's a remembrance again made of sins every year. And then in the fourth verse, it says, For it is not possible that the blood of bulls and goats should take away your sins. Why? Because those are only images. Then he says, Wherefore, when he cometh into the world, when he cometh into the world, he says, Sacrifice and offering thou wouldest not, but a body. He's showing us that in the Old Testament, if we see the image of the Old Testament of bulls and goats, keep following it, keep walking, keep going toward it. Because one day you're going to find a body that was the very essence of the things you saw in the Old Testament. And then you can touch. And he says, they've touched me and they've handled me and they've seen my glory. And that's why he came in flesh so that we could touch the glory of God in the human human form of Jesus Christ. That's why he says in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God, and the Word became flesh, and we beheld, we beheld, we beheld His glory. I'm telling you, I'm preaching a message that'll change your life today. It's in this place right now. All you got to do is reach out, and you'll behold the glory of God, not just an image. He's just as real right now, spiritually in this place, as you are and I am. He's prepared a body because he says in the 10th, 6th verse, in burnt offerings and sacrifices for sin, thou hast had no pleasure. He said the Old Testament is only an image. I need you to get away from that church mentality, religious perception. 
that if you think you can fix yourself by image, you'll never understand Christ. You cannot clean yourself up, but he can. You cannot redeem yourself, but he can. Oh, we become proficient at coming out of darkness. But many of us live 30, 40 years in the church, and we come out, but you never go in to his marvelous light. He's wanting us to realize there's more to him than just an image. Oh, don't get me wrong. I believe in our separation. But I believe that we put too much emphasis on what people look like when we should put more into what they are in the heart. What kind of person are you? Are you passionate after God? Are you pursuing him? Does your soul panteth after thee, O God? Or are you just coming because you want to look like a Christian? Do you want to walk like a Christian? Do you want to talk like a Christian? But he said, no, no, no. I'm looking for somebody. But how's it on the inside? Because I believe you get this thing on the inside, it'll change the outside. Ah, if you follow the image all the way through the Old Testament, you will find the reality in the New Testament. For example, you can follow the rock in the Old Testament. Keep walking, keep walking. Keep walking through the Old Testament because while you follow the rock in the Old Testament, you find the rock of ages in the New Testament. While the priest would make an offering of sacrifice of the lamb upon the altar in the Old Testament, you find, you go long enough, a lamb of God that John talked about that's going to take away the sins of the world in the New Testament. We could talk about water in the Old Testament, but in the New Testament, he says, I'm going to give you a drink from a well that shall never run dry. Yeah, somebody needs to hear me. I'm talking about this New Testament uh, faith that we have in God. I'm telling you that right now, you have to understand the rock of ages is in this house right now. Amen. The Lamb of God is in this house right now. I'm talking about a t New Testament message. Amen. The water of the well is moving right now. And he's saying, if you will just understand who I am as the rock of ages, and if you just understand that I died for your sins as the lamb then you can drink from this well which is the spirit of God the church can't give you what you're thirsting for amen the world can't give you what but the, oh, the lamb of God through his death says it'll be like an artesian well Oh, I think we ought to stand to our feet and give God the hand of praise come on church let's give God some glory today Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Amen. You may be seated. That's why we preach in this church. Word, word, word. Why? Because the more you search out and the more you receive, the more you understand, and the more you search out your own salvation with fear and trembling, then step by step, you're getting closer and closer to the reality of God in your life. Amen. Don't just quit because you didn't get it today. You need to be back here Wednesday. And if you don't get it Wednesday, you need to be back here Sunday. Why? Because God is revealing to you some things. Amen. There is an image, but it's the image of the Old Testament taking you to a New Testament experience.
Hallelujah. I have a video I want you to see real quick. Go ahead, show that video. Watch this for a minute. It's interesting to me. Isn't that interesting? Stop right there. Stop the video. Thank you. Just leave it up there for a minute. The reality is right here. Is this is how we perceive things in life. And what word does, it changes your position. It's still the same image. But if I can get you to change your position, this is why we preach the way we preach, is simply because we're trying to get you to move from where you are. I wouldn't be worth anything as a pastor if I wasn't preaching conviction in this house. I wouldn't be worth uh, any ministerial position at all if I'm not willing to tell you the truth. What am I doing? I'm simply trying to get you to change your place. Because if I can get you to change your place, time and time again I've had people come to me and say, I finally see it, Pastor. I see it. Go back to my title. I see it. I see it. That's what we're doing. We're trying to get you to change your position so you can see it as it really is. But if you stand where you're standing, be careful because you'll seek the miracles the beast has. And it's only an image, a facade, a smoke screen. He's wanting you to believe that he is, the devil is. He's wanting you to make an image, make an image that he is God instead of here always the Lord our God is one. The devil's trying his best to cause us to perceive him as being greater than Christ himself. He's challenging the churches. He's challenging the people. He's challenging our world until our world is losing faith in God because we're no longer teaching our children. Now I'm seeing so many people come into this church that have never been churched before, don't even know what it is to go to church, and now they're entering the doors for the first time. Amen. Amen. But 30, 40 years ago, just about everybody had uh, a mom or a dad or uh, an auntie or an uncle or a grandparent that was somehow associated with some kind of Christian beliefs. But we're no longer living in that generation. We're living in a generation where we've got to make the Word of God very clear and get people to change their position. Because if you think you can come to church and just be you, you're only living for your own self-worth. But if you start living for God, then you'll understand the spiritual reason why you were created. It won't just make you feel good. Sometimes it will convict you. But thank God we still have a word that puts us down on our knees and causes us to buckle our knees and say, I am a base and let him be exalted. 
Thank God for that because you will understand more about you if you start living for God than you have ever understood in the past. Let me preach on for just a moment. Samuel, who was the prophet, went to Jesse's house because of the fall of Saul and his rebellion. God said that I will no longer strive with you, Saul, because you rebelled against me and rather than be repentive, you blamed everybody else on your disobedience. You lived by the perception of what people had of you rather than living by the truth. And the truth was, Saul, I need you to eradicate all of the Amalekites. And because he did not do that, he lost his place as a king. So Samuel now is looking for the next king and he goes to Jesse's house looking for the next king of Israel. And there was the biggest and the tallest and the most fit son of Jesse was Eliab. And so Jesse qualified Eliab as being the king based on his appearance, what he looked like. He's big, he's strong. He probably has the presence of one who can wear a crown and can sit in, on the throne with a scepter in his hand. Boy, he'd look really good as a king. Yeah? He sure would. And that's when Samuel, 1 Samuel 16, 7, 7, but the Lord said to Samuel, look not on his countenance. Don't look on the height of his stature because... I have refused him. For the Lord seeth not as a man seeth. Because a man can only see image. Man looks on the outward appearance, but the Lord looketh on the heart. So I refused him. I refused him. Wait a minute. Why would you refuse what we have to offer? Let me just tell you. Jesse, you're not the one picking. That's why. It's not up to you, Jesse, to choose. And it's not up to Samuel to choose. It's really up to God. And you're qualifying what you believe rather than trusting in the Lord. You have a perception of what you think should be and should not be as the next king over Israel. You know what I said? Jesse, it's not up to you. 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 And so in the next verse, the 10th verse, it says again, Jesse made seven of his sons to pass before Samuel. And Samuel said unto Jesse, 
Again, I had to tell you this, Jesse, but the Lord hath not chosen these as well. So he says in the 11th verse, Samuel said unto Jesse, are, are, are there any other children? Do you have any more children? He said, is there any that remain? He said, no, there's just one that remaineth yet, uh, the youngest. And behold, he keepeth the sheep. Well, that already tells me a lot right there. He's a keeper of sheep. The Lord was not looking for someone that could sit on the throne and be a king. He was looking for someone who could sit on the throne and still be a shepherd. Ah, because kings sit up on thrones and think they own people. But shepherds say, no, 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 no. The sheep know my voice. Why did he choose David? David understood what it was to take care of sheep. Would also then parallel typology, would it parallel that there would be one that would become the great and high shepherd and priest. Hmm. He sent all these others. I have not chosen them, but there's the youngest, and he keeps the sheep. And Samuel said to Jesse, go fetch him. And I'm not going to sit down. I am not going to take comfort. I'm not going to relax until he comes thither. Let me say this to you. God cares less about your image and cares more about what's in your heart. That's why he chose David. Some people seem to always be buying for position and trying to fit in with the in crowd. You need to stop right where you are, and I rebuke that in the name of Jesus Christ because that's the spirit that I was referring to in Revelations because all you're living for is image, and if you're not careful, when that image does come in the world, you will be so wowed by the power that the Antichrist has you won't land on the truth. What's in your heart today is what he really cares about. There's no life in the image. He cares about who you really are. Samuel says, Samuel was saying, Jesse, uh, we can't trust in the image. Look, look at what it did with Saul. Saul was head and shoulders above the rest. He looked like a king. He, he acted like a king. He talked like a king. He, he walked like a king, but he was not qualified because he didn't have the heart of a king. Yet David didn't, or Saul didn't commit the kind of crimes and evil that David committed. The only difference between Saul and David was because David was always willing to repent of his sins where Saul would always accuse someone else for the problem. So God then says about David, he is a man after my own heart. Jesse, we can't trust in the image. In the image. Look. What happened to Saul? Bring me this one who is a shepherd that cares about sheep. Because I want him to show you what I 
will become. What's interesting about this is how can David resemble (laughs) what Jesus was? It's very simple. All the evil that David committed shows us the mercy and grace of God. And it doesn't matter how far you have gone. Jesus was willing to take all that mess. Even through the genealogy of Christ, he even used a woman by the name of Rahab, who was a harlot and a whore. He says the church is going to come from that. That no matter where you have come from, David, you're going to show them that I am a Christ that will take murder. I will take adultery. I'll take the lust of the flesh when you walk the walls and I'll become the very thing. If you just walk in David's shoes far enough, you'll finally get to the reality. (laughs) Ah, you've not gone too far. Amen. You're not so deep that God can't pull you out of the muck and mire. Amen. If I make my bed in hell, behold, thou art there. That's why he says in Hebrews 10.1, I'm going to read it again. For the law having a shadow of good things to come and not the very image of the things can never with those sacrifices which they offered year by year continually make the comers thereunto perfect. He's simply saying that the sacrifices of bulls and goats was only an image. But I have prepared you a body which is the object of those images of the Old Testament. And then he says, in burnt offerings and sacrifices for sin, thou hast had no pleasure. Why? It seemed right at the time. It might have been. And it was. But yet he's saying, no, 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 not now. Not now. It's a new day. Mercy and grace come stepping through from the Old Testament into the New Testament and says, now what you don't deserve, I have given you a scapegoat. And I have given you a lamb that's going to take your place. Amen. Living laws will not save you, but living for Jesus will. Living for the shadows will not save you, but living for Jesus will. There is no life in the shadow. There's no life in the image, but there is life in Jesus Christ. And he said, a better thing is coming. A better thing is coming. Those in the Old Testament wish they could be in the New Testament to experience what you and I are experiencing in this house right now. The Spirit of the Lord is in this house. Hallelujah. Let's stand. Hallelujah. Just, if I can get you just to change your position. You know, there's, people say to me that there's no real reason to go to the altar. And I know during this COVID time that we haven't had a lot of altar calls because people uh, are being cautious and that's okay. There's nothing wrong with that. I'm kind of an altar kind of guy. You know, I, I just kind of believe in it. And there's reasons. Because sometimes I believe that it's important for you to step out. Take the initiative to move from where you are so you can get a different perspective. And sometimes what we know in our flesh needs to be moved so that our perspective can change. It could be the 
start of a new life for you. It could be that God is going to turn your life all around. You say, well, uh, you know, I'm uncomfortable. Well, maybe you're uncomfortable because he's trying to get you to step out. He's kind of prodding you to change your position because as long as you're willing just to be, stay, and live where you are, you'll never see the full picture of God's plan. And the image should take you to the reality of God's purpose. Let's lift our voices right now and start living, loving the Lord. Come on. Lift our voices. Hallelujah.